welcome to the Schools and Academies Show podcast. This episode was recorded at the Schools and Academies Show in Birmingham on 13th and 14th November 2019. Don't forget to register for your free place at our upcoming show in London on www.schoolsandacademiesshow.co.uk. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, I'm going to be talking today about tendering for outsourced services. So the content of today's presentation, I want to start with a background to who we are, who are CPL Group. I'll then move on to advice concerning the outsourcing marketplace, what that looks like, what contractors are looking for, and then move on to the tendering aspects, uh, including risk, tupi, pensions, tender documents, hints and tips, and processes, hints and tips. What I would say, this is a very high level overview, so I won't be going into massive amounts of detail. So what I'd like to talk about first of all is CPL Group. I'm going to spend two minutes doing this. CPL Group is a registered charity. So we're owned by the education sector. In 2009, the further education sector bought us away from Salford Uni. So everything we do, all of our frameworks and deals for schools, as you will see them on the DfE website, are designed specifically for education. So we're unique in that way that we only concentrate on education with all of our frameworks. As a charity, we have three businesses, present purchasing of which I'm the head of procurement, Tenant Education Services, which is a consultancy arm of the business, Tenant Education, sorry, Tenant Procurement Services, which is operating in the wider public sector, and then we have Present Learning, and that's where we provide all of you guys with lots and lots of free advice, lots of available documents for download, so anything you need to know or want to know about procurement, we will have on our FE database. So let's start talking about outsourced services and some advice in consideration of the marketplace and how that looks. There's no shortage of business. Suppliers are constantly telling us that they're doing lots and lots of tenders throughout the year. There is tons of work. And if you look at what's happened in the marketplace with Carillion, for example, and also uh, other issues that have arisen with other organizations, there are opportunities available, particularly in the schools and academies marketplace. So how do you ensure that you are of interest? Well, to gain that interest, you need to prepare well in advance before you go to the marketplace. Don't rush it. If you rush, then you run the risk of the tenderers not being interested in providing you with a bid. If you're not confident in procuring the services yourselves, use a consultancy that can help you. There are lots of consultancies out there. What I will say is that ours as part of the charity is a fixed fee, it's fully transparent, and you won't see costs that are not upfront so you know exactly what you're paying. And then prepare and develop your spec for your ITT well in advance of your ITT issue date. Yeah, we call it the silly season. Suppliers constantly tell us that there are too many operators looking for renewals during the summer period. If you do that, you run the risk of not getting enough bids. Now, I understand that operationally you may wish to change your catering and do all the works during the summer period. 
But if you think about other outsourced services, building cleaning, manned guarding, etc., those can be done at other times of the year. I've already said about allowing sufficient time frame for your tender process, and there are various ways that you can take this to the marketplace. You can use a framework, which is the sort of service that our organization provides. In doing that, you can warm up the marketplace in conjunction with the framework provider. If you're going to do a full OGU process, and just by a show of hands, who has actually done a full OGU process um, for anything outsourced within your institutions? Yeah. Okay, so you know it's a very timely and, and it, an expensive process. Yeah. We don't know what's happening with Brexit other than we've got till the end of January, but we do know that there will be a portal from government that will be, need to be accessed if you're doing OGU procurements after the 31st of January. And always allow enough time for your responses. What I would say as a guide is if you were out to market on a framework, four to six weeks is the minimum time frame that you should allow for responses. If you're going OGU, then everything's dictated by law. So your timescales are all dictated and you have to comply with those. So we've put location, location, location. If you are in certain areas of the country and you are difficult to service, you may find that you don't elicit the number of bids that you're looking to get to satisfy your financial regulations. So think about that. One of the areas of the UK that we do know suffers is the Southwest. When you're setting everything up, remember to include site visits. It allows all contractors an opportunity to come in and talk to you and to glean information. But what you need to do with those site visits uh, is ensure that you treat all the contractors equally when you're holding those visits. So there's no advantage given to anybody in particular. So I'm going to talk a little bit about capital investment and it mainly is attributable to outsourced catering. If you've done outsourced catering before, you know that if you're having a refresh of your equipment, the capital costs to the supplier are and can be ex expensive. What they do is they recover that cost over the lifetime of the contract. You need to be aware that if you run into difficulties with the contractor during the term of the contract, that they will normally have built in remedies within the contract that allow them to recover elements of that capital expenditure if you're terminating the contract early. So always be aware of the TNCs that you're signing up to. Don't just assume that everything is for free. So what do the contractors see as the perceived risks in dealing in education? So financial stability. In our marketplace, you would have normally expected that whether you're a trust or under an LEA control, somebody's paying the bills and the bills are getting paid within 30 days. In the FE sector, there are colleges that have gone to the wall and are currently going through um, shutdown. And that is very upsetting and very distressing for those of us who work in education. But suppliers are onto this now and they're checking financial stability of institutions before they will bid. And as it says there, a poor credit score can deter a contractor from actually giving you a bid. They're very interested in your student numbers. Uh, they want all the information relating to the trends. So they will know what the demographic trends are based on uh, LMI, local market intelligence. Uh, but they will also want to know from you, what are your plans? If you're a MAT, are you looking to acquire more schools to go into the MAT? Or are you looking, conversely, to dispose of some institutions? So all of this needs to be taken care of in your ITT so that the contractor is fully informed. So contractors will also need all of your TUPI information 
and there are various levels of this. If you are outsourcing for the first time and have come out of an LEA control, you will need to get all of the information from the council about what are your, uh, your staffing lists and your pension indemnities and liabilities. If it's an LGPS scheme, the contractor will need to know all of the details of that scheme, exact costs, exact liabilities, so that they can cost that into their bid over the time frame of the contract. And as it says there, if LGPS does apply, then please don't hide the detail. So we're moving on now to the tender document itself and hints and tips. Your tender document is your shop window. Who likes preparing tenders? Not many people. They can be difficult, they can be complex, they're full of jargon, they're full of contractual terms and conditions, KPIs and SLAs and everything else that goes with it. But a poor tender document is a turn-off to a supplier. They may not bid because they can look through your documentation and go, do you know what, doesn't look like they put a lot of effort into this. I'm not going to bid on this one. And we do hear that from contractors in the marketplace that sometimes the paperwork that's come through is not of a standard that allows them to bid because there's too much information missing. Put some time and effort into preparing the tender though, and that can really pay, pay benefits for you when it comes to securing bids. And again, if you're uncomfortable in doing that for outsourcing, there are plenty of procurement consultancies out there who will provide that service. Um, what I would say is always check exactly what you're getting for your money when you use a procurement consultancy. And we have written several articles on that that have been published in Education Business Weekly. So, what makes a good ITT? You start by sorry, outlining your aims and objectives. What would you consider to be a successful appointment? What does it look like? What does your service need to be to ensure that your learners are getting the very best that they can get from that contractor? You provide details on your current service provision. Provide things. This is I've deliberately taken catering here. I forgot to mention that. Copies of menus, pricing, your opening hours, your vending arrangements. And don't be afraid to put some photographs in. That just gives a little bit more idea to the contract of what you envisage it looking like. I've already mentioned Tupi. Imperative that that is correct and fully, fully accurate. All of your sales data needs to be included so the contractor, again, has a really strong idea of what they're likely to generate in turnover throughout the term of the contract. If you know your footfall data, that's really useful as well because then they can work out the average cost per student that's going through. Also, things like free lunches um, need to be included. If you're giving free lunches away, they need to have that costed in. I've already mentioned student number projections over the lifetime of the contract. Uh, it's also useful if you put in when they can access the premises. But important at the bottom is your future growth plans, acquisitions and disposals as a map and particularly any accommodation plans you've got for new builds. One other thing I would say is if you are a city centre campus and round the corner you have Starbucks, KFC, Subway, all of that will be factored in by the contractor when they're preparing their bid that they're likely to use, lose footfall um, to the high street. You can work with them though to put more high street relevant uh, services in place. So let's look at the process itself. You've got your ITT, um, you all want presentations to see the quality of what's being offered. Encourage them to bring a few offers only, you don't want to be overwhelmed. And always avoid Mondays, um, they always tend to prepare the food the night before for the, uh, the presentation on the day, so you don't want something that's been left over from Friday, trust me. Now this bit is important, when you're preparing your ITT, 
you will have disclosed in your ITT exactly how you're going to score the bids. And that's exactly what you must do. You can't introduce scoring because somebody in the institution says, do you know what, I don't like them, let's add this in and let's, let's score this instead. You must score exactly what you said. As well as that, you have to score exactly how you said you would score it. So the award criteria has to be the award criteria. You can't mess about with it. You can't fudge it. And the reason for that is simple. If your contract exceeds a certain value, then you run the risk of a supplier challenge. And supplier challenges can end up in the courts. Um, and nobody wants to be dragged through the courts, trust me. Um, if you've never seen it, there's a, a document that comes out of Crown Commercial Services called the Mystery Shopper Scheme. It's published quarterly. It details across the public sector all of the instances of reported issues with public sector bodies when procuring goods and services. And it makes a very interesting read. And then at the bottom, and we've seen this done, we've seen contracts that have started running, services that have started to be provided, and there are still issues to be sorted and clarified. Get everything sorted before you sign the contract and start the operation if possible. And to do that, I'd come back to the issue around the timings and making sure you allow enough time for the process from start to finish to be completed don't rush it because it will never work if it's rushed. Okay, that that completes the presentation. Thank you all very much indeed. Don't forget to register for your free place at our upcoming show in London on www.schoolsandacademiesshow.co.uk.